You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Well, indeed, 1 John chapter 4 is where we are today. 1 John chapter 4, if you are visiting today, welcome, glad you're here. Here at Calvary Chapel, we study the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we are currently in 1 John. We will be in 1 John until about the middle of December, right before the Christmas holiday. And uh, today we're moving in verse, verses 1 through 6 of chapter 4. And if you're taking notes today, the title for this message is Testing for Truth. Testing for Truth. And uh, if you have been with us, then you know that 1 John was written by the apostle of Jesus Christ, a man by the name of John. And he wrote to the global and the growing church there close to the turn of the first century. And the theme of this book is Walking in the Lights. As John has been writing about what it looks like practically for a believer to walk in this world and to live in the light and carrying the lights of Jesus Christ. And over the past few weeks, as John has been speaking to the believers, he's been speaking specifically of a legitimate relationship with the Lord and how a legitimate, real and active relationship with the Lord that that will show out in the life of the believer. by the way of conduct, as well as with the love of Christ being present and played out in their lives. And he's going to continue to exhort the believer to such a lifestyle. But unlike the last few weeks, John is going to turn his attention today from the believer looking so much inward at their own relationship to now looking outward to another issue. You see, as John knew as he was writing to this church, that the church he was writing to was facing an onslaught of false teaching, Well, he takes a break from writing of the relationship of the believer with the Lord and focuses today on what they are hearing to encourage and to equip them. Specifically today, what he's writing to is the topic of false false teaching and how the church does not need to just believe everything that is being taught and to enlist as well as equip and encourage the church in ways so that they can test what they're hearing so as to know that what they're hearing is right or wrong. You see, John wanted to make sure that the church was receiving the truth and that if they were not receiving the truth, that they could tell. And the writing of John to the church thousands of years ago, this writing today that we're studying, well, it is still very applicable for us as the church today, as false teachers and false doctrine. Well, it hasn't stopped. And so we're going to begin today by reading just the first verse of our text, as that is the first section that we're going to hone in on. And we're going to read verse 1. We're going to pray one more time after we do so, and then we'll jump in. So if you have your Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John there says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets, he says, have gone out into the worlds. Very simple, very concise. Let's pray together, friends. Father, we thank you for this day. And God, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here, Lord, the the freedom that we have to be here, the invitation from you, God, that we see within your word to run boldly into your presence. God, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that Jesus, you've made a way for us to do that and to be here. And Lord, I thank you for the time that we've had to worship and the fellowship, Lord, as we've lifted up praises in your name. And God, now as we continue to worship by studying your word, Lord, I just pray that you would continue just to speak to us and minister to us and lead us. And God, as we open up your word, Lord, I thank you for it. I pray that, Lord, you would just ready our hearts and minds and that you indeed would be our teacher here today and that, God, our hearts and minds would be ready, that we would be a people ready to hear your word, not just to know it, 
but to, Lord, know how to live by it and live according to it and, Lord, live it out in our lives. And so, Lord, we ask for your help with that. And, Lord, we ask for your help expectantly because you're a God who desires to lead us. You're a God who desires to help us. We see that within your word. And so, Lord, help us now as we study. Lead us in this time, we ask. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have been studying the book of 1 John with us, we have discovered that John is not a man to hold anything back. He's not one to mince words, and here he's no different. As John speaks out very clearly about the subject matter here in verse 1, he's calling every believer to the task of testing what they are being fed and what they are being taught. And having already called the church to attention of the fact that there is false teaching, there is deception in the last days that they are living in, well, he today hones in on the need to not just be aware, but also to be ready and to test the deception as well. And John is very clear. Notice, John is very clear and blunt as he opens up. What does he say? He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit." What he's doing here is he's calling the church to a vigilance, to really an anointed suspicion, if you will, of everything that they were receiving from teachers that they were sitting under. And he calls for every believer to not believe everything they hear, but he says they're simply to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because he says many false prophets have gone to the world. And you see, this call and this idea of testing that John is speaking of here, well, it has to deal with the legitimacy of the message a teacher was sharing. But even deeper than that, it has to deal with the source of the message. As he says, the spirit of the message, whether this message was inspired by the Lord coming from God's word and thus being backed by the Holy Spirit who seeks to lead us into truth, or as John has already spoken of and will speak of again today, if it was coming from the spirit of Antichrist, that spirit that is within the world that is against the Lord, that is there in place to try to be an instead of to the Lord. And many men and women were and still are propagating that message. John is calling the church to test whether the message is from the flesh and fueled by Satan or if it is truly from the Lord's. And the word he uses for test is one that is spot on. You see, in the Greek, the word is dokimizo. And it refers to the testing of metals. The idea here is that you would be walking down a street there in, there in that, that time and you would pass many vendors, perhaps a jewelry or a blacksmith vendor. And of course, as you would buy a product from them, you'd want to test the legitimacy of that product. Is the gold, is the stone real? Is this horseshoe gonna hold up when I nail it to the hoof of that, of that horse? Is the hammer gonna fall apart when I hit whatever I'm gonna hit with it? The testing of the legitimacy of the metal is what this word refers to. And you see, this, this idea of testing invokes a, a great idea when it comes to this, as it speaks there of close investigation or of scrutinizing over the real or fake nature of what is being considered. And you see, as John begins this section of his letter, he's calling every believer to attention. You see, everyone within the church is called to be a ready listener and a tester of the messages that they would hear. And for good reason, because again, what does John say? He says, because many false prophets, you could say false teachers, have gone out into the world. You see, John here is speaking there at the turn of the first century. So the church has matured in some ways. And there at the beginning, what we see in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, as the church got its beginning, it got started. Well, they held fast, we know from Acts 2.42, to the apostles' doctrine. 
They sat there as the church began in Jerusalem under the teaching of men that walked with Jesus. And so it was very hard there in the opening for false doctrine to seep in. But as the church grew and as it moved and went throughout the known worlds, well, false teachers saw their opportunity. And it didn't take long for false teachers to seek to infiltrate and lead people astray. And John knew, and it was the truth in his day, and it is still the truth in our day, that it is not possible, it was not, and it is not possible for the testing of false teachers to rely solely on the leadership of the church. But you see, everyone who is a child of God needs to have their eyes, their ears, their hearts and minds set to alert. See, every believer, John is saying, needs to be ready to test and as needed, call out false teachers and false doctrine that is seeking to creep into the church and into their lives. That is the point of John's writing here. And John, again, is not alone in his venture. As he speaks on this topic of false teachers, of course, he joins the ranks of other New Testament writers who also warned and prepared the church, were writing with the heart to prepare the church to contend, to test, and to call out false doctrine. Speaking of contending, we see a first example there in Jude. If you're taking notes, jot down Jude chapter 1, verse 3. This is a short book. In fact, it's only one chapter. And the entire, entirety of this book is, is, is on the subject of contending for the faith, of being aware of the fact that there is false teachers and false doctrine within the worlds. Jude writes in verse three, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, he said, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. See, what Jude is saying here in the opening of his letter is that, hey, I wanted to write to the church. I wanted to write just honing in on our, on our common salvation, on what it means to walk with the Lord, much like what John is doing here. But he said that as I began to write, the Lord impressed upon me the importance of a different message, a message to contend, a message of exhorting to contend for the faith. And he would go on to explain why in the rest of his book. The apostle Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, we finished 2 Peter not too long ago. He says there in verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. And he is speaking, of course, to the church. He says they will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Peter was aware of the danger and he wanted to alert the church. You know, the Apostle Paul, in several places throughout his books, he says these, but a favorite place of mine that goes in line with today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 22. As he says there, do not quench the spirits, do not despise prophecies, but test all things, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil. And I love these verses because what he's doing, as he's exhorting the Thessalonian church there at the end of his first letter, well, he's writing to them about what it means to walk practically and live with the Lord. And he says there, do not quench the spirits. He says, hey, look, the Lord is doing something. The Lord is working and he's gonna continue to work. Don't shut that out. Don't put that work away. He says, don't quench the spirit and don't despise prophecies. As you hear teaching, as someone brings a word from the Lord, he says, don't despise it. Basically, don't throw it out. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, being afraid of it all. But what does he say? He says, test all things. He says, don't, don't quench the, the work of the Lord. Don't despise prophecies, but test them. Test all things and hold fast, he says, to what is good. He says, as you test all things and you find there's good in there, there's truth in there, hold on to that. Live according to that. But all the things that are evil, what does he say? Abstain from it. 
put it away, abstain, stay away, far away from it. He wrote that to the Thessalonians. In Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31, we have another instance where Paul is speaking here to the Ephesian elders. He's about to go on his way and he wants to exhort them for when he's gone of what's gonna happen. And he says there in verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And he says, turning it to themselves personally, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And so what does he say? Having made them aware of it, he says, therefore watch. Therefore watch and remember that for three years, I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He was making these men aware of the fact that when he was gonna go, the wolves were coming in. That as he left to go and be used by the Lord elsewhere, false teachers were gonna seek to infiltrate. And so the men needed to be ready. You can also jot down all of John chapter 10, the gospel of John in John chapter 10. This whole chapter outlines Jesus' speaking on false teachers. Those that Jesus, he called them the hireling that would seek to come in, seek to feed themselves, not caring truly for the sheep, but caring more for their wants, their needs, their desires at the expense of the flock of God. And it's not just the New Testament that calls on God's people to test the message of the spirit behind the teacher. You know, if you're reading the one-year Bible with us right now, we're currently in the prophets there in the Old Testament. We're currently in Ezekiel. And all of the prophets, the major and the minor, every single one of them, what was their job? It was there to speak to God's people and let them know that, hey, within the walls of the temple, within the nation of Israel, there were false priests. There were corrupt servants of God who were leading and seeking to draw people away from the true worship of the Lord. Understand that the Bible is full of warnings, like this from John, and it's something to be taken very seriously. Taken very seriously in John's day and taken very seriously in our day, but not just taken seriously. Hear me on this. Not just seriously, but personally as well. Personally as well, because as John and the other New Testament writers knew, we need to know as well that the testing of the message of teachers within the church and the finding out of false doctrine, calling it out, that is not something that is only up to church leadership. It is not only the job of the pastor and the elders to test the legitimacy of a Bible teacher or preacher. That is part of my job, a big part of my job and a big part of our elders' job here at this church. But it doesn't just all fall on us. No, it falls on every believer. Because if it was only the pastors of a church, understand that's too small of a group and false teaching, it would slip through the cracks. It absolutely would. It would infiltrate because the numbers are too great. No, it is not just the job of the pastor. It is your job as well to not believe every spirit, but to test them whether they are of God or not. It is your job to be vigilant, to examine the message of every pastor or teacher that you would listen to. And that includes this pulpit, I'll be honest. Myself as I teach or any pastor or teacher that comes and stands here, you, it is your job. It is my job to test them. And not, my, not just my job as the pastor, but as a believer. It is your job and my job. And not just in the pulpit, but on television or online. Any platform out there, has the, people have the ability to share a word from the Lord or a message that they receive from something or some type. And it is your job and mine as believers to test that. It is a call for every believer to test the spirit, to test the message of the teacher and see if it lines up legitimately with what the Bible says. See, John here in his opening, he is calling every believer to test the messages that they are hearing. It involves every single one of us. 
It involves us, friends. And John, he speaks this in chapter one to lay the tone for the text. But then as any good pastor does, he doesn't just enlist, but he also seeks to equip. He seeks to equip the reader by giving them some some test that they can issue when it comes to testing teachers that they listen to. And the first one is lined out for us there in verses two through three. And so if you'll pick back up with me there in those verses, we'll read them together where he says, by this you know the spirit of God, that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You see, the first test of a legitimate teacher or prophet, well, it appropriately surrounds the person and work of Jesus Christ. And this absolutely makes sense when you think about it, because when it comes to the legitimacy of a teacher of the word of God, how they deal with the biblical view of Jesus Christ, well, that should matter. And understand that John, speaking to the context of his day, the main lane of false doctrine he's speaking against is that which is called Gnosticism. Gnosticism and those that adhered to it, those called the Gnostics, well, they held to this value of higher knowledge, of having a higher knowledge that made them in with the Lord. And one of the things that they propagated was that Jesus, as John says here, did not come in the flesh. See, they believed that God, he was immaterial and all material, all matter is evil. And so God would never come in human flesh because if he did, well, then he would be touching matter. He'd be matter himself and thus would be evil. This, of course, flies in the face of the biblical view of Jesus because we know from the Bible that Jesus came as a baby, grew into a young boy, which then grew into a young man and then an adult man who then physically lived and then physically died. And this flew in the face of the truth of Jesus Christ in John's day. And it's still the truth today, friends. It's still the truth today. The principle still stands of what John is trying to get across. And if you're taking notes, something to remember is that a prime test of the teacher and his or her message is whether or not they have the true biblical view of Jesus Christ. That is something for us to note because Jesus Christ, well, he's the center of our faith. He's the center of all that we are wrapped up in when it comes to our relationship with God. He bridges the gap for us. And so to have a wrong view of that, well, that's an issue. You see, to have a biblical view of Jesus, that is the, that is the proper thing. And that is the test that John issues first. And it's a test that we need to be ready for. We need to be ready to issue ourselves. And of course, to issue that test, to have the ability to see whether a teacher is propagating the biblical view of Jesus or not, well, it's quite simple. We need to know Jesus. We need to know what the Bible has to say about Jesus. And this should be a no-brainer. But understand, if you're not reading your Bible and taking a hold of who Jesus is, well, then you're more susceptible to the lie. You know, we're susceptible to the false. You and I have to know what the truth of God's word is to be able to recognize the false in this world and how the teacher, the pastor, the preacher, the leader, how they view Jesus, that's a telltale sign. That's a telltale sign. And it's crucial because to be a Christian, to belong truly to Jesus, you have to see him as the Bible says that he is. And the Bible says that he is the true son of God, that he is the second member of the Trinity, that he is from the beginning. We see that in John 1, 1, that in the beginning was, was God. We see that was the word, and the word was with God. And that word, the word is the word logos, which speaks there of Jesus being there in the beginning, in the creation account, Jesus was there. 
And we have to believe as well that Jesus, he came because the Bible tells us he came. He was born as a physical baby, a screaming, bloody, physical little baby who pooped his diaper and all the things. And then that baby grew into a young man and then into an adult man. And that adult man lived a perfect life. He lived, Jesus lived a perfect life through and through and then died a death, a physical substitutionary death for us. Went to a grave, was there three days and the greatest day in history happened. Easter Sunday, where he busted out of that grave and made salvation available for all. That is what the Bible says about Jesus. And that's not all of it. That's just scratching the surface. And how a teacher, how a pastor, a preacher represents Jesus, shares Jesus. Well, that's importance. And understand the things that we just said and all that the Bible would say, if a teacher or a preacher or a religion gets one of those things wrong, these things are non-negotiable. If he gets one of those wrong, that's an issue. That's an issue in room for concern. John would say, they are false. They are not of God. And bringing it personally to us, bringing it you know, to our front door even, you could say, because there are those within the world and within the city, in this city that we live in, that have a wrong view of Jesus. I mean, you think of some cults out there, such as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who we know as the Mormons. They believe that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer, the brother of Satan born out of a result of not the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary, but rather a sexual relationship between God the Father and herself. That's an issue. That's not within the word of God. The Jehovah's Witness who would come and knock on your door, believe that Jesus was really Michael the archangel and the first created being of God the Father, that he wasn't in the beginning, but he was the beginning, that he was who God began with. That, of course, is an issue. Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet, a good man, but not the Lord. And even the church, those that would say that they are the true church, even the church perhaps that you have listened to online or a church that you have visited, Jesus is, in, is oftentimes in flux depending on the mood of the pastor or the congregation they're speaking to, where Jesus is not painted in a biblical light even within the church. He's the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus walking with a lamb on his shoulder, carrying children in tow, who's all love, and no righteousness. My friends, that's an issue because we know that God, yes, shows his love through Jesus Christ coming to earth, making a way for salvation. But Jesus is not just the Jesus that we see within the gospels who came to save. He's also the righteous judge. And we see that within the word of God. And to not see that, to not hear that is to raise a red flag should someone teach that. See how the teacher, the preacher, or organization handles Jesus, it absolutely matters because Jesus is non-negotiable. He is crucial to our relationship with God. And John says there in verse three, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, he says plainly, is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. And we discussed this, of course, a few chapters back. This spirit of Antichrist that is in the world, this instead of, this against Christ, well, this, of course, is the source of these messages. And for John's day, again, it was the Gnostic heresy of Jesus not coming in the flesh. For our day, there's a myriad of lies. And they are all, he says, not from God. They are of the Antichrist. They are against. They are a counterfeit and are not true. And so if you have someone come to your door, if you listen to someone on the radio, on a podcast, you watch a video on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and you realize, and you should realize if you're in the word of God and you need to be in the word of God so as to realize this, if you realize that they are misrepresenting Jesus, that's an issue. That's a big issue. And that's the first test that John gives for the church. 
as he enlists them into this act of testing. But the second test he outlines for us in the, in the remaining verses of our text, and this one has to deal not so much with the teacher's view of Jesus, but with the message of the teacher and how it is viewed and received by the world. Pick up with me there in verse four. As he says there to the reader, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world's. He says in verse five, they are of the world's. So therefore they speak as of the world's and the world hears them. We are of God and he who knows God hears us and he who is not of God does not hear us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirits of error. Now it's verses five and six that outline the test, the second test that John here is issuing. But verse four is super special to the church and it should be an encouragement to each and every one of us. You see, what verse four is, is really a a caveat of sorts. As John here is writing inspired by the Holy Spirit to the church about testing the false teachers and sticking with the truth of Jesus Christ and walking truly in the faith, well, he realizes that he calls and enlists the church to test and calls them to even at times confront and combat, much like Jude did for the faith. Well, he realizes that there may be some within the church who would be afraid of that who would shy away from the task. Because let's be real, calling out someone when they're trying to say something and lead other people away, well, that can be uncomfortable. Those that would maybe have a friend who is following after a wave of doctrine that's not false and they wanted to correct them, that could also prove uncomfortable. And so what John does is amazing. What he does is he encourages the church there. And it's so good, we'll read it again. As he says there, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Who is the then? That, of course, is that spirit of antichrist. That is that spirit of the world seeking to draw and drive the world away from Jesus. He says, hey, you are of God. And as such, you are overcomers. You have overcome them. And what does he say? He says, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What John is doing here is encouraging the church as he enlists them to this task. He seeks to say, look, what I'm calling you to, I know is uncomfortable. Maybe more uncomfortable for some than others, because let's be real, some of us, they just like to be in the face, and that's just, that's just how some of us are. But for some, they, John knew that, hey, they would be fearful. They would draw back from the challenge. They would draw back from the call. And he wants to say, look, don't do that, because understand, God is with you. Understand, don't draw away from the task. Don't shrink away from the call. But understand that you are enlisted by the God who resides in you. You are enlisted by the Holy Spirit who has anointed you by taking up residence within you. And so be bold because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. It is this encouragement that he issues here in verse four. And then again, verses five and six, they outline this second test there in verse five, saying that they are of the world. Again, this speaks of the false teachers. They are of the worlds. So therefore they speak as of the worlds and the world hears them. You see, again, where the first test has to deal with the teacher's view of Jesus, the second test has to deal with the world's view of the teacher, whether they are accepted widely by the world or not. And that is the test that John here poses. And notice what he says. He says, they speak as of the world's and the world hears them. See, the test is this, that as the teacher or the preacher would speak out, the test is to see, hey, who is listening? Is the teacher speaking something that builds up their kingdom and or the kingdom of God? Is their their message something that the world accepts and desires and can go along with because it goes along with the tone and tenor of the world? 
Or rather, does it fly in the face of what the world is seeking to move forward with? You see, no one's seeking to build their bottom line. No one's seeking to build up their kingdom. Much like John 10, Jesus speaking about the hireling would reference. No one's seeking to build their own would seek to push people away, but to draw in more, to draw in the followers, to build up their bottom line, to build their empire. And John seeks to say here, the false teacher, that's their mode of operation. There's those false teachers that Paul speaks about in 2 Timothy chapter 4. As he talks about the church leaving the true teaching of the word of God to go after those that would tickle the ears. Well, that who here is who John is referencing, those that don't seek to offend in Jesus' name and lead to the truth of the gospel, but rather to build up their own kingdom and their own lives. And as odd, as odd as it may be to put it this way, especially in the day and age that we live in where everyone gets offended by everything, understand to check the legitimacy of a pastor or a teacher, you need to see, quite honestly, if they offend you to righteousness. Because friends, understand me, the Bible, the message of the gospel, it's offensive. It absolutely is. It is offensive to our human nature. And understand the pastor or teacher that you turn on in your car, the author that you read, the podcast you subscribe to, the TV teacher, guy or gal, whoever they may be, you need to see and ask yourself, do they speak in a way as they teach and preach that turns your heart and mind to repentance and change? Or is it all pleasant, pleasant living and ease? You see, is the truth of the gospel again that saves, it says that you are not enough and that you need Jesus and he is enough. Amen. And so John would seek to say, hey, is the pastor teaching that? Or are they saying that you're enough and that your happiness, not your holiness is what matters? Understand a pastor or teacher who is more Disney channel, follow your heart and seek your own and who never confronts the truth of sin is one to be wary of. That's an issue. Because again, the truth of the matter is the word of God, which is the truth for life for every person. Understand that we often say at times that the, the word of God is the truth for the church. No, the word of God is the truth for every human being. Whether they believe it or not, it's the truth. And the Bible, which should be coming from every pulpit of every single church, which again is another telltale sign of a teacher. If he's more of himself and more of quotes and books and things like that and not of the word of God, that's an issue Understand the Bible, the true teaching of the word of God, the Bible, it will offend. It has to. The Bible is not about yours and my happiness. It's about our holiness. It's about the word, it's about the, it's about the word of God being profitable for doctrine because it is doctrine, it is truth. And being profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it is the offensive message of the Bible on true salvation and true sanctification that needs to come from the pulpit. And if that is not what comes out, John says that's an issue. John says that is the test to put up. Does their message appeal to the masses or does it confront them? You know, the world is going in so many directions. New truth comes out every single day of what is right, what is wrong. What was right yesterday is wrong today. And then they'll flip-flop and go back the other way and twist it all around. The world is a confusing place. And does the message of the pastor, does the message coming from the pulpit, does it confront culture or does it go in line with it? Does it tout Jesus as the only savior? Or does it rather take the side of a political party or a social movement, which we know from the word of God is never gonna save. It can't save. See, if the message of the believer is widely accepted by the lost and dying world who is seeking anything other than Jesus, 
that's an issue. If the teacher teaches the masses and the masses seek to follow in, in droves, that's something to be wary of. And you see, John finishes out, and I love what he does. In verse five, he poses the test. In verse six, he puts an opposite up, and I love what he does. He says, he says there, we are of God. He who knows God hears us, and he who is not of God does not hear us. He says, look, the false teacher, he's gonna speak to the masses, and the masses will follow. The one who is seeking after the Lord, there will be people that hear, but it's not gonna be the world that's lost and dying and going in a way that is away from God. It'll be those who are desiring the Lord's. And to all of this, with these two tests, with the enlistment listed out and the two tests shown, he summarizes it all there in verse six, the last part of verse six, saying, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By the teacher's view of Jesus and the world's view of the teacher, by this, we as the church, we as members of the church, well, we can know the true from the false. And by this, we can better be prepared to contend for the faith and not be fools. But understand, you have to understand, we all have to understand, that to not be fooled by the false, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. And when I say you, I mean it personally. You have to know the truth. You have to know it. Individually, you have to know the truth of God's word. Myself, as the pastor of this church, though it is my job, Pastor Corbin, the elders, and many other mature believers in the body, We cannot be there for everything that comes across your eardrums. We can't. There's no way. It's not possible. We all live lives that are everywhere with so much information coming in. And there's no way that we can vet every single thing that comes across your brain. Now, that doesn't mean that I will shy away or Pastor Corbin or the elders would shy away from any question that you have. You listen to something online, you hear a pastor, you read a passage, and you think, that's weird. Come ask the question, because we're here to answer the question. But if it relies solely on us and our Bible knowledge, the church will not be what God intends for it to be. The church will not be the vibrant, moving, mission-oriented church that God has called us to be. And that involves not just the church and and the gathering of the church. That goes even further out from here. That goes into your home. Understand this matters for your home. You husbands, husbands in the room who have been called by God and given an authority by the Lord to lead your home, to protect your wife and protect your kids, understand that you need to know the truth so as to be able to catch the lie and cast it out. You wives in the room, same thing. You need to be right there alongside your husband because he's gonna miss things. And you as a team need to collectively move together and work in that way. And then together, working, with your, with, working together to protect your kids. And then out from there, if you're in the school system, if you're in a job, your friend group, your places to play, whatever it may be, you, you need to know the truth. And I need to know the truth because I live a life that's outside of here. Believe it or not, I leave the church. And I live a life out of here and I have a family that I need to protect, not as a pastor, but as a husband and a dad. I have friends that I need to protect. I have the body of Christ. We as the body of Christ, as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, are meant to watch out for one another. And to do that, we have to know the truth. We have to know it. And I love it so much because as John here calls us to the task and equips us, well, he's doing it having been equipped by the Lord. And the Lord has equipped, given us the tools to equip ourselves for the task as well. 
And it's found in several ways. And quite, quite honestly, we find them in what we need to use to combat the false. We find them in the word of God. We find the truth of who Jesus is. We find the truth that Jesus is exactly who the Bible shows us that he is, that he is the savior, the only savior. And understand that it starts with a relationship with Jesus. To be ready to call out the false, to be ready to call out the lie, we need to know the truth and to know him personally. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We sing it just a few, or we're gonna sing it in just a few moments. And that's the truth that we see within the word of God. And we need to know him personally because as we do, we are that further ahead to be able to call out the lie. But then even past the relationship, which is available to all of us, comes knowing him relationally by being in the words. You wanna know if a teacher or preacher is speaking lies and, and, and propagating false doctrine? Well, read the truth. Read that which is profitable for doctrine. And not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, but every day. And allow the Lord to speak you, to speak to you and equip you for this call that we are all called to. And my friends, if we do that, if we are all answering the call to be testers of truth, then understand that we will be a church that God is wanting to use. And God is wanting to use us. He's wanting to use you as a part of the church in your home, at your workplace, in your places of play. But he's also wanting to use us corporately as the church in this community, in the surrounding communities. And we are better equipped to do so as we know the truth, stick with the truth. And so friends, what we see here with John today, he's calling for us to test the truth. And I pray that we would answer that call. Perhaps today you need to answer it for the first time in starting a relationship with Jesus. Hey, today is a great day to do that because Jesus has given us this day to do so and understand that Jesus is ready to save. Or perhaps today you're in a relationship with the Lord and it's time to answer the call to say, yes, I'm gonna equip myself for my family. I'm gonna equip myself for that coworker, for that friend or for whoever it may be or just for yourself so you don't fall prey to the lie. Whatever it may be, the Lord is ready to continually equip us as we seek him. Let's pray together.